Yo, 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 yo. What's up, all you burners, stoners, and potheads out there? This is Weedman420 with the Weedman420 Chronicles. How are all you vipers doing out there, Mrs. Weedman? Mr. Weedman. How the hell are you? Wonderful. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy 2022. It's going to be a great year. It I is. Hope, for everybody out there in the world of weed. We had a great weekend, though. We did. We, we had did. a cannabis-filled weekend. That we did. <laughs> I don't think we were yeah. in high the whole two days. We were on our little mini getaway. Maybe in the morning when we woke up. I think we were still high because <laughs> <laughs> we smoked and ate edibles all the way until we went to bed. Yes, we did. <laughs> we uh, we cooked with cannabis. We smoked cannabis. We ate edibles. We I, I think the the uh, steaks that we made with a little can of butter in there and the potatoes we made with a little can of butter in there and the popcorn, popcorn. you made with can of butter in there was amazing and we joined it out and we had a lot of fun listening to music and mm-hmm. watching you blow big clouds where we were taking pictures was kind of fun. So I think it was a great, great New Year's Eve yeah. and New Year's Day. Yeah. It was great. Pizza setups too on New oh, Year's yeah, Day. Oh yeah, we did pizza setups. Who the hell doesn't love pizza setups? We were trying to determine, is that just a Chicago thing? So yeah. does anybody else have pizza setups? Like, yeah. When I was a kid, it was like the local butcher that carried them. So I don't know if... That's just a Chicago thing. If you're from the South Side and you haven't been to S and T's to get your pizza setups, you're missing you're out. Missing out. <laughs> a little shout out to S and T's on 111th Street in the South Side of forever. Chicago. Been there for a long time. Nothing better than a pizza setup when you're hungover and or you're high and you want a good quick slice and mm-hmm. it's nothing better. You make it yourself, throw it in the oven, you're done in 15 minutes and you got yourself a little pizza setup. Yep, it's good stuff. <laughs> well, everybody, happy New Year. Hopefully, your New Year was great. Hopefully you're going into your 2022, your goals are set, you got some good plans, and you're ready to rock and roll. You know what, though? We love you all out there, and thank you for listening. And 2022 is going to be a big year for Weedman420 Chronicles and, and all you listening out there. So, ready to start the show? Let's get started. Let's get started. Well, here's something about 2022. Some some industry people are, are kind of uh, optimistic about what's going to happen in 2022 in cannabis, so let's read it. Overall, the cannabis industry has much to be optimistic about in 2022 approaches, or is here. The U.S. industry in particular should be enthusiastic despite its remaining required uh, maturation. Operators across numerous uh, pot sectors told Benzinga what they were most optimistic about for 2022. These were the four most discussed topics. And I also have another article I'm going to save for the next episode um, on 2022 uh, and what's going to happen in cannabis. So let's go. Legalization helps grow sales, further erodes stigmas. Cannabis reform progressed continued across much of the country in 2021. Nine states passed decriminalization, medical use, or adult use laws in 2021. Numerous other states reformed their regulations through legislative means this year. Despite various bills making progress on the state level this year, federal law remains the same. Though the House of Representatives once again approved the Safe Banking Act and the MORE Act, no matter how long it takes to legalize cannabis on the federal level, a country we've definitely been making significant inroads on the path towards cannabis liberalization, says Andrew Tutt, Chief Investment Officer for Forefront Ventures Corp. Thut said he hopes to see more states pass social equity measures when reforming cannabis laws. Tom Bergerman, CEO and inventor of the ag tech brand Tom's Dumble Trimmer, said reform helps promote the plant's social acceptance. He expects acceptance to grow in 2022, leading to increased retail demand. Calling the moment exciting, Bergerman believes consumers will look beyond big brands. As many consumers wish to support independent farmers rather than corporations, the market will continue to thrive with private operations next year and beyond, Bergerman predicted. We forgot something. What did we forget? Smoke! Uh, I need that. You do. I'll keep on reading while you smoke. Okay. A growing market drives consumer demand. Investors and operators alike believe that market's growing numbers should continue in 2022. In November, interview for a previous article, Ben Jensen, president of Bellarock Brands, said he liked the market momentum. I am confident we will see continued normalization across the country in the next 12 months, he said. Todd Green, Director of Investors Relations at Juicy Holdings, offered a similar take. I'm looking forward to watching the cannabis industry continue to balloon, foster, and maintain more careers, and expand access across the country, he said. 
In November, Morgan Poxia, managing director of Poseidon Investment Management, told Benzinga that he was also eager for expansion, saying, We are looking forward to new market expansion in 2022, supporting an uptick in overall growth in the U.S. after a mid-cycle slowdown. He added that tax rates should come down and states revisit regulations. Continuing tech innovations, cannabis tech continues to be introduced and refined, affecting sectors from cultivation to compliance and much more. Several operators said 2022 will be a significant year for their tech specs. Marion Matherson, co-founder and CEO of regulatory and operational compliance software platform Simplify, believes that 2022 is the year for, for RegTech takes center stage. RegTech has the potential to play a critical role in streamlining the challenges that ultimately pop up when working in a consistently changing fractured regulatory environment, he said. Matheson added that the tech expansion allows banks and other ancillary services to work and comply with the high-risk sector. Brett Stevens, CEO of LED Growlight Company, Fosh, said that an increased focus on sustainability means more states could take up legalization to eliminate high-pressure sodium lights. As an emerging industry, we must set standards and try to create better products that are more sustainable, Stevens said. In 2021, Fauché saw its revenues grow by reported 510%. It also partnered with Belushi Farms to fit its Rogue Valley site with LED grow lights. Projection shifts towards full-spectrum solventless. This is a big thing in California right now. Solventless, and I know some other states are coming up with this, and some other growers and cultivators are trying to do solventless uh, full-spectrum. So, Sources say that product development continue brands compete to enhance consumer experiences and meet shifting market demands. Low Friesen, founder and CEO of Seattle-based extraction Beyond Halo, noted that consumers are becoming more educated about THC content and whole plant experiences. The uptick in education leads to reported shift in production process. Still, market education remains. Cannabis, cannabis dispensaries and consumers continue to fixate on THC content as a measure of potency, a practice that yields subpar experiences and limits the potential effects that can be obtained by consumers, he said. Christine Schallenberger, VP of Marketing for Michigan-based brand Flourish, is thrilled to see fast-acting edibles and other products growing in popularity. As more states legalize and more new consumers enter the market, uh, product offerings for fast-acting products will continue to exponentially grow, she predicted. Schlallenberger said she believes further reform will increase the interest in premium craft products made from live resin, full-spectrum, and solventless extracts. That's some 2022 predictions there. So We know some people have cancer or had cancer or passed away from cancer in our life, right, Mrs. Weedman? We do. What is the medical community taking notice about? Well, the medical community is considering the fact that cannabis-based treatments are helpful. So there are new ones being, um, oh my goodness. Are you high already? Yeah. Well, I was trying to like just not read and just freelance it, if that's even the right word. And I freestyle, yo. Freestyle, thank you. I was trying to freestyle. (laughs) (laughs) I screwed it up. (laughs) Sometimes I can do that. So anyway, freestyle or or screw it up. Screw it up. Screw it up. And sometimes I can freestyle. Wicka wicka wang. Freestyle for me. (laughs) No. (laughs) Now I feel pressured. All right. Companies are developing. I'm going to read. Companies are developing cannabis-based cancer treatments. Will the medical community take notice? That reads a lot better, doesn't it, than whatever I was trying to put together? (laughs) (laughs) Anyone remotely familiar with the ravages of cancer will understand the pressing need for the development of alternative treatments. Often overshadowed by the disease's potential prognosis are the side effects of the treatments, which run from mild to extremely painful and can affect patients' quality of life and treatment options. Potential allies in this fight are cannabis compounds and their derivatives. Despite still being illegal in most countries, cannabis-based products are slowly getting approved for medicinal use. With much anecdotal evidence about the benefits of CBD and THC for therapeutic use, adding these tools to doctors' arsenals can only be a benefit for patients. Here are some companies developing cannabis-based products for cancer treatments. We have CBD for Radiation Therapy Dermatitis by Enveric Biosciences. It's called Cannabidiol EV102. Gotcha. Cannabidiol. That's a tough word for me. Anyway, 
Radiation therapy is a common part of many cancer treatments, but unfortunately, it comes with the side effects, including red rashes to open wounds, specifically radiodermatitis, also called radiation dermatitis, is a condition caused by the high-energy x-rays delivered during radiation therapy, according to Enverick's website. It affects nearly 95% of patients who receive radiation for cancer treatment, with approximately 85% of patients having moderate to severe skin reactions. Enveric Biosciences is a biotechnology tech firm developing mental health and oncology treatments. The company recently announced that their EV102 compound cannabidiol-based product, so CBD-based product, demonstrated a significant and meaningful reduction in dermatitis severity. EV-102 was topically applied during a daily treatment regimen and resulted in nearly 50% reduction in redness severity, says Dr. Joseph Tucker, CEO of Enveric Biosciences. Similar results were obtained for overall dermatitis severity, which includes skin peeling and ulcerations. Extending these promising results was an observed reduction in the overall duration of dermatitis symptoms. The company expects results from the preclinical study to support the efforts to move EV102 to a phase one clinical study targeted to begin in the second half of 2022. That's good to hear. Yeah. It doesn't require much effort to imagine the relief this could give patients suffering from painful post-radiation irritation. If human outcomes can match these promising results, then patients will have a much-needed tool at their disposal. Then we have cannabinoids for brain tumors by Sativex, um, GW Pharmaceuticals, or Jazz Pharmaceuticals. According to GW Pharmaceuticals, they have successfully developed the world's first prescription medicine derived from cannabis called, from the cannabis plant called Sativex in Europe, a formulated cannabis extract that contains the principal cannabinoids Delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol and cannabidiol as well as other minor cannabinoids and terpenes, which is now approved in numerous countries outside of the U.S. for the treatment of spasticity due to multiple sclerosis. As reported in The Guardian, Sativex is now being tested by cancer research groups and the National Health Service in England to see whether this cannabis mouth spray can be an effective treatment for a severe form of brain tumor. Glioblastoma. How many times did you practice that word? Which one? Glioblastoma. That one came easy. Nice. Mm-hmm. How about that? Glioblastoma is a common and aggressive kind of brain tumor with high recurrence and low survival rates, and doctors are desperate to find treatment help. In this trial, doctors will give Sativex to patients along with chemotherapy and compare results to those receiving a placebo. Based on preclinical data, researchers are hopeful the cannabinoid drug may kill glioblastoma tumor cells. I know why they got to give uh, uh, a placebo, mm-hmm. but I'd hate to be that person. I know, right? <laughs> the but getting the, whole the placebo. Point, but there is a lot of mind over matter. Yes, there is. There it really is. And if you think that you're taking a medication, it's been proven that no, you, I know, but I just hate yeah. to be that person thinking and, that and, you really and that, but that's good it. though because your mind is very powerful and it can yeah. do great things. Yeah. So you can it's talk not yourself. Heal you. No, but you could talk yourself out of being sick enough to where I've done that. Mm-hmm. But I just hate to be the one beyond the placebo yeah. and I want the real thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and our third medication is a THC product for chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting. It is called Syndros by Benuvia Therapeutics. Chemotherapy is an unfortunate reality of many cancer patients' experiences. Yet despite chemo being an effective treatment option for many people, the side effects can be debilitating. According to this report, an estimated 80% of patients with cancer will experience chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting. The term CINV includes emesis and nausea, which can involve a loss of appetite and result in a decreased oral intake of fluids and calories. Poorly managed nausea and vomiting decrease the patient's quality of life and may lead to disruptions in cancer treatments. Syndros, uh, the generic uh, form or name is dronabinol, is a liquid cannabinoid used for the treatment of these symptoms. The first FDA-approved C2-tetrahydrocannabinol syndros is an option for patients who have difficulty swallowing, swallowing pills or require medications administered via feeding tubes. 
While legalization advocates are pushing for more access to natural cannabis for medical use, especially for cancer and end-of-life patients, a synthetic FDA-approved product is still a step forward in getting cannabinoids into the hands of those who need it most. So just for clarification, this particular drug is THC, so it doesn't come from the hemp plant. It comes from the cannabis sativa plant in this case, and they're they're creating a THC, a synthetic THC, to match the benefits of the cannabinoids from that plant. So it is a synthetic. But interesting to see that starting to enter the market, Yeah, synthetic well, cannabinoids. Well, Epidiolex has been around for a while for, for yeah. seizures and stuff like that, too. So that's been down in Dravid syndrome. So that's been around right, for a little bit, too. that's CBD. That's CBD, yes. Right. So that's why it's around. Yeah. This is yeah. synthetic because it's THC. Right. So there's been some, and yeah, now they're developing more. Yeah, so which is great. Limiting cannabis licenses benefits only multi-state operators, and you've heard me mention multi-state operators, and 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 let's just call it what it is, kind of corporate cannabis. So cannabis legalization has taken many paths as it sweeps across the United States, and this is an, uh, a writer. His name is Van uh, McConan, and he's been growing and processing and selling cannabis for 35 years and doing so in the legal market since 2009. So good for him, uh, that he's gotten into the legal game now, but got some experience. I would say Colorado and Washington state took the first stab at regulating cultivation infused products, manufacturing retail for medical and then adult use. Almost 10 years later, their markets have stabilized. Prices have normalized. The markets are competitive, and the illicit market that still uh, exists serves customers in other states. Oregon and Oklahoma have followed similar regulatory paths. If you want a license, you can get a license in these states. Everybody can grow if they want to, and giving your neighbor a mason jar full of weed in the fall becomes the new normal. The licensed businesses make a good living. The quality is generally high, and consumers have a plethora of choices. Much of the country has access to legal cannabis. So why is it the unregulated market still dominant? Limited licensing. Let's look at other states that chose the limited privilege license model. Illinois, Florida, New York, Ohio, New Jersey, Nevada, and several other states have followed this path. The initial application process defines the market and the players. The result has been, in quotes, big weed and the birth of the multi-state operator or MSOs. Since getting and maintaining a license is a separate skill from successfully running a cannabis company, many of the operators in these markets have figured out only part of the cannabis business. Once they've obtained their license, they have difficulty delivering high-quality product to consumers at a reasonable price. The most successful MSOs cannot survive on $20.8 or $150 ounces, the current Colorado retail price for high-grade cannabis. That's amazing. Uh, plug those numbers into any MSOs, 10K annual report, and tell me how long they last at a current burn rate. MSOs collect licenses like Lincoln pennies, but building these cannabis businesses and running them profitable has been more problematic. Some companies do show strong revenue growth, but profit has been hard to come by, even with limited competition and dramatically higher prices. I'll buy a half ounce of Snickle Fritz for my neighbor instead of an $80 eighth at a retailer operated by an MSO every day of the week. Wasted efforts. As a result, the limited licenses states typically have thriving unlicensed markets that account for the substantial portion of cannabis sales in the respective states. Global Go Analytics estimated California's illicit cannabis market generates $8 billion in annual sales, nearly double that of the legal market, which the MJ Biz Factbook pegs at $4.4 billion last year. Illinois' illicit market is also reported to be booming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to move on. Overtaxing and limiting licensing guarantees that the licensed producers will not be able to compete with some, with the small unlicensed sellers or meet consumer demand. Uh, one other thing about this is that there's still 185 licenses that still haven't been issued yet. Remember that. Overtaxing and limiting licenses guarantees that licensed producers will not be able to compete with the smaller unlicensed seller or meet consumer demand. Long lines, limited supply and choice, high taxes, and marginal quality are not going to win the day. The MSOs want to stop this illicit market, but decriminalization follows regulations, and what once was a low priority for law enforcement is now frequently a silver matter. 
Nevada has tried to limit this market by outlawing, outlawing home grows if they are within 25 miles of a retail storefront. Florida doesn't allow home grow at all. Boo. Boo. This has literally no this literally has literally had no effect. California law enforcement uh, bemoans the fact that they shut down an operation that will be back in the same location in a week. MSOs are trying to do the same thing in other states with operating and effective caregiver supply models. The backlash has been fierce and brands are trying to distance themselves from the effort. In Michigan, the Michigan Cannabis Manufacturers Association tried to limit caregiver access to the market, which you heard me talk all about in rant and got on my soapbox about that one. The kicker is that the wasted effort on the MSO's part, as long as the consumer can get better product at a lower price from a friend or a caregiver, they will shun the licensed shops. Paying 40% more for packaging and product that smokes like hay isn't going to cut it. Forks are growing in their basements when they are looking at jail time. Oh, when they were looking at jail time. Decriminalization and the ability to grow at home means that literally thousands of pounds of free weed can be grown every year. Woohoo! For the most part, if you're growing too much, you'll get a cease and desist letter. The authorities give you time to chop and bounce. If a couple of guys shipping 500 pounds annually can clear $500,000 a year with a relatively low risk of actually getting busted, why waste time and energy getting licensed if, it, if it's even possible? Uh, so managing markets don't work or doesn't work. Government regulations should be focused on the health and safety of the consumer. And I also, I also agree with the dispensary owner and the cultivator owner too. They need to all be protected. Uh, trying to manage the markets is a losing proposition. Who grows, processes, packages, and sells cannabis doesn't matter. And if you want to start a cannabis business, you should be able to get a license. I agree with that 100%. Regulate the safety of cannabis products and let everyone compete for the consumer's business. You've heard me say that. Set the batch size to 15 pounds of on flour and a kilo of concentrate. And if you pass testing, you can try to sell your product. Big Weed is, is providing that they can compete without government protection. Illinois Medical Cannabis uh, Program began sales in 2015. Remember that. It's absurd that the illicit market dominates while the most successful MSOs overcharge the customers and are, and are the darlings of the public cannabis companies. The government's only job should be making sure consumers have access to safe, high-quality products at the best prices possible and low taxes. If the best product is coming from a section of my local vegetable grower's farm, and I could pick it up at the farmer's market with some peaches, strawberries, jam, bread, and lettuce. That sounds like a win to me. I've been saying that. How, Mrs. Weed Man, how long have I been saying? That would be amazing. Let people grow weed and bring it to the farmer's market and sell it. Oh, man. And it's a win-win for everybody. Fixing the market so the MSOs have a chance to succeed is absurd. Make them compete. I agree. If the MSOs can't compete with the farmer with a couple of acres and a strong back, let them die. <laughs> that's from Van Mc, McConan and he and, and and I would shoot him an email if you're interested in talking to him I have not talked to him I just found this article and I thought it was very interesting it's van.mcconan m-c-c-o-n-n-o-n at icloud.com so guy's dope I like what he has to talk about it is dry January right now isn't it it sure is everyone has this thing about going dry in January and sober October and, and what do you practice and what do you teach me to practice <laughs> moderation. moderation so why do you need to dry yourself out but there's reasons why you should trade alcohol for cannabis yeah this is we man you got six of them for us I got right? six of them yep tell us yep. about it people of all ages but especially those in younger generations are drinking less and smoking more Cannabis, that is. According to the annual Monitoring the Future survey, sponsored by the National Institute on Drug Abuse at the National Institute of Health, 44% of college students reported using cannabis in 2020, with 56% reporting alcohol use. So that's 2020. In 2015, only 38% of college students admitted to using cannabis. And in 2019, 62% reported drinking. So that drinking amount has gone down. That's good. No one can claim to know the reasons for this phenomenon, but there are some benefits to switching from alcohol to cannabis that are worth considering. Whether you're looking to lose the beer belly or cut down on sugar, <coughs> ooh, pardon me, cannabis has been a welcome alternative for people looking to cut out some of the unwanted side effects of alcohol use. 
Here are six reasons people might choose to trade their wine glasses for joints. One, to lose weight. Cannabis provides a pathway to get a nice buzz without all of the unwanted calories. However, just using cannabis is certainly not a fast track to losing weight. If you want to try to lose weight, obviously you want to add in some things like exercise and healthy eating. There are strains out there that are appetite suppressants. suppressants so mm-hmm. you have to look for those strains. There's some yeah. strains that'll make you tear into a bag of fucking Doritos. I think every strain does that to me. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Weedman has such self-control. He's like, no weed makes me have the munchies. And he one nev- did. You never one, munch. One fucking strain gave me the munchies so bad I, t- I tore a house. I was out in Cali and I tried Skywalker OG out there and I fucking wanted to eat the everything. Oh. Everything. It was terrible. Part of my problem, I'm a nighttime snacker. I don't really snack until snacks until like, I don't know, seven, eight o'clock. And then when I smoke, it's like, oh, now I really want a snack. Because it's like that. You always have a midnight snack before we go up to bed after the smoke. I have so many snacks at night. It's awful. (laughs) It's awful. All right. Back on track. Number two, better sleep. Cannabis has been known to help promote sleep and can get someone back to their normal sleep schedule if they get thrown off due to work or other circumstances. Many medical cannabis doctors recommend it for insomniacs just for that reason. Three, more choices. Cannabis products come in all shapes and sizes and can be eaten, sipped, and smoked. There are even highly effective cannabis tinctures on the market that you can uh, place under your tongue, drops, and you can even use cannabis creams to target sore muscles. Four, long-term risk. Both alcohol and cannabis can be addictive. Cannabis addiction can be dangerous. Okay. But the latest research has shown very few harmful side effects associated with cannabis use, leading some health experts to concede that, generally speaking, there are fewer risks involved with consuming cannabis than there are with alcohol. You would have to consume between 238—this is a big range— and 1,113, I mean, 238 to 1,113, because, you know, that's not a huge range. range. (laughs) You'd have to consume somewhere in that range of joints in one day to absorb a fatal dose of THC. Five, uh, no hangovers, no problems. One of the biggest pros for cutting out alcohol and making the switch to cannabis is saying goodbye to brutal hangovers. We've all had one. Cannabis use can lead to some after effects like drowsiness, brain fog, headaches. Sometimes you wake up and you might still be high (laughs) if you consume too late. Uh, But these effects do tend to be less severe than a hangover. I will take a waking up still cloudy, brain foggy high. Any day. Over a alcohol hangover. Miserable headache. Body feel like shit. Because within an hour or two, you're going to feel fine. You're just going to drink a bunch of water and eat something and the cannabis brain fogginess will go away. But oof. Alcohol. A bad hangover is a bad hangover. They don't go away. Uh, Six, the effects. Cannabis products can alter mood and even cause hallucinations, but it generally isn't linked to violent situations like domestic violence or bower fights. Cannabis tends to relax people and can even be used to help treat anxiety. While it can cause panic attacks when used in excess, these episodes typically do not lead to outbursts of violence, though there are exceptions. I've never seen somebody get wild. Just just no. stoned. I'm not talking no. about stoned and drunk. I'm just right. somebody who's baked, who's somebody who's been smoking out, want to get into a fight. No. I've worked in the bar industry for a very long time, and you know when someone's about to fight when they've been drinking. You just, you know, you know it. it. Oh my gosh. And you just, the writing like, is on the wall. Oh, huge. And uh, I mean, argumentative and just plain old becoming an asshole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when people are drunk, I, I I've lived it, served many, many in my twenty three years, and there's always one. You mm-hmm. know that that one person's going to be. It's you just know, right? Oh, well, it's not going to happen with weed. No, not at all. Yeah. Uh, so, should you replace alcohol with cannabis? Well, cannabis can help people feel calmer, less anxious, less stressed, but many long term effects have yet to be studied scientifically. Overall, if you're looking to cut out some of the negative side effects of alcohol by making the switch to cannabis, that could be the right choice. Proceed with caution and explore other options as well. Here's one thing. Yeah. And this is this is true. I've never had a babysit a stoner. 
burner or pothead. No. Never. In all my years of smoking weed and all my years being around burner stoners and potheads, I've never, no matter how stoned that person was, I never had to babysit that person. Why? Because that person will just go sit at the bar or go sit on the couch and just be chill for two, three hours. I did have to babysit one person. It was like she had a she the few times that she has actually physically smoked rather than taking a really low dose edible, she does get sick. She's one of those people that gets sick. So we were at a function. That's different yeah. though. It was just a, a very weird thing. I was yeah. like, she I had looked a, over at her like, hey, she had a what's bad reaction. Smoke, yeah. probably somebody that I think we I know you're talking about yeah. somebody that does, was never Doesn't really a really smoke, never smoke, really yeah. partake at all. Right, maybe once a year. And probably smoked something that was really strong and yeah, right. It's so, really honestly, it didn't even make sense yeah. that it happened. But and that's a different. That's yeah. different. I'm talking about like you're hanging out with your friends, and all of a sudden, how many times did you have to babysit your friends and oh, drive no. them home, get them in the door, get them in a taxi, pay the taxi driver, mm. pay their bar tab, stop them from getting into a fight versus cannabis? Right, it just doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Never had to babysit a stoner burner pothead in all my <laughs> years. Never. So, uh, Montana on Saturday, January 1st, started their recreational selling of cannabis. Yay, Montana. Missoulians, which is in Missoula, Montana, lined up. Missoulians. Even on the the 31st, they were like going into the first that night they were waiting online to be the first to get some weed oh, and fun. yeah so good for good for montana they're probably standing in a bunch yeah, they've of been, snow they've been waiting for a, a while for this and it was it, you know it would all and i've read about what was going on 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 prior episodes about the laws that need to be changed and all that stuff until they wanted to get it set ready for january 1st and, and they did recreational it. recreational well, they've been they've been um They've been medical, I think, since like 2000 and something. I can't, like 2005 or six or some shit like that. So I can't remember um, off the top of my head. Sorry, everybody, about that. But Missoulians, Montana, all of you, congrats. Recreational cannabis. Stayed home and grow in the cold, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, cannabis decriminalization reduces arrests and racial disparities in law enforcement study fines. Another study has found that decriminalizing cannabis not only significantly decreases arrest for possession overall, but that also reduces racial disparities in any remaining uh, in any remaining arrests. So this was a researchers at the University of California, San Diego, and they examined FBI uniform crime reports uh, data from 37 states from 2000 to 2019 to determine the impact of decriminalization policies, and it's working. So that's awesome. So the study was really good, really well done. Uh, they have a bunch of facts and numbers on it. You can find it if you want to read more about it on, on Marijuana Moment, who I love. Great, great website. Uh, it's marijuanamoment.net, and you can go into marijuana decriminalization So and read that article. It was really good. Uh, where is cannabis the cheapest and most expensive in the U.S.? Connecticut has a $9.75 gram uh, to Virginia, which is not fully wreck yet but uh med is probably eighteen dollars and sixty cents so i mean let's give you the the range from lowest to highest uh was as follows connecticut was 975 per gram the whole flower taking 3.5 gram format so remember that florida is eleven dollars and 97 cents new york is 1370 ohio is 1383 maryland is 1389 jersey 1495 pennsylvania 1562 and virginia 1860 so that's uh you know they talk about basically why Connecticut is priced so low. The state has 391 stores, which is the highest among the medical states. Well, that's a lot. Middle of the road, New York, Ohio, Maryland are the same price range between 1370 and $1,390. Uh, in this article, they noted um, similar prices in Maryland and Ohio, although the MD markets is more developed with more sales, stores, and SKUs. Uh, I think Ohio only has like 58 dispensaries, so Maryland has more for that small little state. That's crazy. Uh Jersey and Pennsylvania uh, estimates that Jersey's medical sales will is three hundred seventy five million to an annualized by, uh, basis, while headset estimates Pennsylvania is one point one eight billion per annum. Damn, that's crazy. Uh, Illinois and Massachusetts are the highest prices across recreational states. Uh, taxes, ladies and gentlemen, lots and lots of taxes. <laughs> so. Between the other states, the Virginia medical market is in the early stages. That's why it's so high. Not a lot of dispensaries, not a lot of uh, flour being produced yet. And Nevada is a more segment, segmented market. In Nevada, they surveyed some stores, and the average price is eleven twenty six to twelve forty. And 
because if it's a segmented market, they can uh, in terms of price range at the retail stores. So, so that's some some prices going on in some of the states. Going back to Indiana, read a, two more articles on that state, and this is one that I read uh, on the last episode. This is one I'm going to read now. Indiana cannabis legalization and regulatory bills pre-filed for 2022 session. Indiana lawmakers will have their pick of cannabis reform bills to take up during the 2022 session with newly pre-filed legislation covering everything from legalization possession to initial steps for setting up the regulatory infrastructure for a cannabis market. The governor did support that part, the regulatory infrastructure. He said it would be great to have that all set up so when it does go federally legal, the implementation for the state is already there. He would definitely get behind it if it goes federally legal. So some good stuff. I read a bunch on the last episode, too, about Indiana, and we'll see what happens. Uh, Colorado Governor Polis uh, pardoned more than 1,300 cannabis convictions uh, for people possessing two ounces or less of cannabis prior to state's legalization reform. So good for him. Governor Polis, you're great on supporting cannabis in the cannabis community. Uh, Incoming Virginia GOP governor won't overturn legal cannabis possession but cast doubts on sales. Now, I read a while back ago that he was all for it and he was going to mess with it. He's fine that it's that it's legalized, and he's not interested in recriminalizing cannabis possession, which became legal in the state last summer. He feels there's still work to be done before he gets behind creating a market for commercial sales and production. Uh, in an interview with the Virginia Business uh, that was published on Friday, Youngden made clear that he will not seek to overturn the law of personal possession, but he's not. Uh, making the same commitment with respects to cannabis commercialization. I'm not against it, he said, but there's a lot of work to be done. Adding that there are some non-starters uh, in the de- in the Democrats' past, including provisions setting labor union requirements for cannabis businesses. He also cited concerns expressed by law enforcement and how the gap in the law can actually be enforced. Uh, he said there's also really need to make sure that we aren't promoting an anti-competitive industry. And there's the preference to make sure that all participants in the industry are qualified to do the industry as well. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Trust me, it's going to get moved forward, and they just got to work some shit out. So, we'll see what happens. Come on, Virginia. Uh, Kentucky's uh, Democratic leaders say medical cannabis legalization will be top uh, 22 legislative priority. Uh, They said the leaders announced on Monday that legalizing medical cannabis is one of their top priorities for the upcoming 22 legislative session. Here's another article that came out, though. There was a... a, uh, a state senator who also is kind of funny that sells bourbon says that he they will have to vote him out uh, his voters will have to vote him out to get him to to get legalization approved in the state so you hear that vote him out anybody that doesn't want legalization and aren't doing what you want you have the power to vote him out so there you go and also, Kentucky, you should just get on the ballot and let the, let the people and let the cannabis community and the people of the state vote for it and then see what happens. Oklahoma forges ahead with adult-use cannabis initiative despite legal fight. The effort to put adult-use cannabis on the falls ballot in Oklahoma is moving ahead despite a legal challenge. Jed Green, organizer for the Oklahomians for Responsible Cannabis Action, told the Tulsa World that the group is on pace to collect the required 178,000 signatures before June. The state Supreme Court is scheduled to hear the legal challenge to the initiative on January 6th, and a ruling is expected later uh, in the month, according to this newspaper. The so-called Oklahoma uh, Cannabis Regulation and Right to Use Act would allow medical cannabis dispensaries to begin selling recreational cannabis 60 days after the passage. That's great because I know that state, there's a lot of dispensaries there, a lot of product being made, a lot of great product being made, and a lot of great cultivators there. And you need to go rack so people so they get more sales. It's a tough market, hard market, a lot of competition. Uh, I think that state would need needs recreational to help everybody flourish. Uh, a tax, a 50% tax would be imposed on, a, on adult use there. And o- Oklahoma legalized it, don't forget, in, in, for uh, med in 2018. So go Oklahoma. Uh, Massachusetts, what you doing, man? You're trying to propose a law to cut potency of cannabis sold. And also you want to raise the age to, from 21 to 25, man. Don't put those strict caps. Come on, Massachusetts, man. You're, you're, you're a growing state. Got some good good weed there, I heard. I haven't been there yet to try it, but come on. Don't fuck this up. Uh, Wyoming cannabis activists turned focus to 2024 ballot for decriminalization and medical cannabis initiatives. They didn't get the ballot. Uh, they didn't make it in time for the 2022 ballot, so they'll be aiming for 2024. Come on, Wyoming. Let's go, man. Grow. Packaging. 
packaging. cannabis packaging. Yep. Crazy. We talk about it a lot. We we've do. We've talked about sustainability. We've talked about hemp, and we've talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. You got some 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 stuff going on. Yeah, I've got the top five eco-friendly cannabis packaging options. So, you know, there's all this regulation on how um, product is put into a package, what the package has to say, how safe the package is from small hands opening it. Uh, and because of that, like I'm sure most of you recognize when you buy stuff at the dispensary, there's more pack- packaging than there is product. And that's a problem. We have enough waste in the world as it is. So I've got some solutions. This doesn't necessarily apply to us, but it's things that you can look for when you go shopping. Um, As the cannabis industry grows, the knowledge and use of sustainable packaging solutions will depend on leaders and businesses alike. The cannabis industry is built around its cultivation and selling of the plant. Therefore, there is an ethical responsibility to the environment. As a leading industry in holistic wellness and healing, we must acknowledge the amount of work necessary for sustainability within cannabis. Companies can begin to approach sustainability by investing in eco-friendly cannabis packaging options. Here are five that are uh, good solutions. Number one, hemp materials. Hemp packaging may help make sales much more sustainable rather than leading down a path toward more harmful waste. If the rapidly increasing cannabis market relies on outdated paper and plastic packaging, it could counteract attempts attempts to reduce carbon footprints. Cannabis retailers can reduce environmental waste by looking for hemp packaging solutions. Two, ocean reclaimed plastics. Another eco-friendly packaging option is creating uh, packaging out of plastic reclaimed from the ocean. Sana Packaging is the cannabis industry's first cannabis packaging made from 100% ocean-bound and reclaimed ocean plastic. This packaging aims to transition cannabis packaging towards a circular economic model meant to eliminate waste and pollution, keep products and materials in use, and regenerate our our natural systems. Santa Packaging reported that since their inception, they have reclaimed more than 177 tons of ocean plastic and ocean-bound plastic. How many tons again? 177. Jeez. Mm-hmm. And that's just like a little bit of it. Yeah. <laughs> and they have used over 80 tons of plant-based hemp plastic. It's also noteworthy to mention that Santa Packaging is USA-made and can provide a solution for cannabis producers having trouble with supply chain problems. Three, Biodegradable packaging. Biodegradable materials break down in the environment with the help of natural decomposers. From plastic bags and containers to papers and biosafe cardboard, biodegradable materials are commonly in today's retail business space. As a cannabis business, social responsibility and environmental stewardship means seeking these alternative solutions to increase to the increasing problems of traditional packaging options. Four, compostable materials. Compostable is very different from biodegradable. The term compostable describes a product that can be broken down into natural elements. These are plant-based materials that are environmentally built for the composting process. They also disintegrate at a rate consistent with organic materials. Compostable materials are simply organic materials that break down. Think about like food scraps versus the biodegradable plastic bag that still takes maybe 10 years. It will eventually break down, but it's going to take a long time. Compostable is organic in nature, so it's going to break down quickly. Uh, and the end product offers beneficial uses for fer- such as fertilizing. The most crucial benefit for, of compostable materials is that they don't leave any toxic residue since they are all organic. Five, glass packaging. Glass is a decent material option for cannabis packaging with properties that enhance the product and help preserve quality. The durability of glass makes it a good match for cannabis storage. Most glass containers are airtight and can regulate humidity levels to prevent mold growth and terpene degradation. Glass is sturdy and multifunctional, making it the most stable of all packaging materials. Glass containers are also reusable and relatively easy to recycle for cannabis packaging. Glass not only offers long-lasting flower preservation, but it can also benefit cannabis extracts for the same reason. With so many factors complicating what it means to be a green company, businesses must convey an environmental conscience 
to consumers. Consumers first see the packaging when they experience a product, so it's essential for sharing a sustainability message. Selecting sustainable materials for cannabis packaging demonstrates an awareness of environmental concerns. Most importantly, building eco-friendly efforts into the brand story expresses a genuine commitment to the environment. So, Sweet. Yeah. So look for good packaging. Yeah, 100%. International news. 41% of Australians support cannabis legalization. Our friends down under down there, thanks for all the shout-outs. Thanks for all the DMs. Uh, the recent National uh, Drug Strategy Household Survey in Australia found that 41% of respondents believe cannabis should be legalized. A new survey has found that 41% of Australians believe cannabis should be legalized, representing a significant rise in support from 2013 when it was 25.5% of respondents backed the reforms. The Guardian reports the National Drug Strategy Household Survey also found an increase in the number of Australians who had used cannabis at some point in their lives from 33.5% in 2001 to 38.1% in 2019. Uh, that's great for Australia, man. Just legalize it. I've seen some great pics of some of that weed down there. So 41% of you approve. Get it up to like 55, 60. Take over. Uh, Israeli company uses cannabis for women's health solutions. Uh, Jinica, an Israel-based company, is looking to address several medical conditions in women's health through the use of unconventional treatment method, cannabis. Dr. Siri Peruchi Sajivi, vice president of research and development of uh, Jinica, sat down uh, with the news to explain how women's health concerns can be managed with the uh, pharmacological use of cannabis. We now know for thousands of years women have been using cannabis or cannabis extracts for women's health conditions such as painful men uh, menstruation that he explained. She said that the evidence of using cannabis to treat women's health conditions could be found in ancient China, Meso Mesopotamia, and even by Queen Victoria. Health conditions like difficult periods, painful sex, and endometriosis can be treated through cannabis-based solutions due to the endocannabinoid system, which is theorized to play a role in pain management. The endocannabinoid system is a network of receptors, which we know to the endocannabinoids, which are the substance-like cannabinoids like cannabis that we produce ourselves. She said that the uh, endocannabinoid systems are important to women and that a very high concentration of these receptors can be found in the uterus. If we know how to target the endocannabinoid system, we will know how to treat these conditions. Uh, she also said that there were, are many different strains of cannabis with different distributions of active ingredients. Adding our challenge to Genica is to find strains with the optimal cannabinoids, the optimal combination between them, and the optimal delivery system in order to treat health conditions. How does that sound, Mrs. Weed Man? Sounds good. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> the apocalypse. Whoa. And not the earth apocalypse. Like zombie apocalypse? Not even that. Which one? The cannabis apocalypse. What? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What? <laughs> Talk to us about it, Mrs. Sweetman. Yep. That good old reefer scare tactic. Uh, They're coming wah, back. Wah, wah. And is this a cannabis apocalypse? Well, this article is going to talk about the new scare tactics and why they're happening. Uh, the steady growth of the cannabis industry confirms the value of this booming new cash crop industry for consumers. Doubts about people accepting this new industry have faded. A Pew survey in April of 21 showed that 91% of American adults agree that marijuana should be legalized for medical or adult use. This whole article was marijuana, marijuana. They don't call it cannabis. Boo. So I know, boo-hoo. And usually I change it, but I think there was a reason. Oh, because they were talking about reefer madness. I'm like, uh, uh it would just make sense to leave. Right. Marijuana, the bad stuff in there. So anyway, nothing it seems can stop this multi-billion dollar juggernaut as it struggles to gain true business operability as a purveyor of what the federal government says is a prohibited narcotic. But recently, as legal cannabis businesses open in more states, there appears to be forces at work attempting to derail the industry. Yes, there are a few glimmers of hope that the feds may be softening their stance ever so slightly on cannabis by allowing more medical cannabis grow operations. And yes, bills in Congress about legalizing or clarifying certain aspects of cannabis have gotten some traction. With all the cannabis tax revenue piling up in states where both medical and adult-use cannabis are legal, state and federal lawmakers can't just look the other way. They need to make more business-friendly things happen, starting with banking for cannabis business businesses as a top priority. 
Is there a new wave of reefer madness? Oddly, more news reports with misleading headlines and cherry-picked study findings are cropping up that seem timed to stop or even kill the legalization movement. Headlines like, cannabis is causing a mental health crisis, cannabis causes suicide, cannabis can kill. This reefer madness redo is nothing like what's been seen in the last 20 or 30 years. The anti-cannabis industry group Smart Approaches to Marijuana, the acronym is SAM, is throttling up a chatter that serves to keep the conservative investor at bay and the anti-cannabis forecasters wagging an I-told-you-so finger at cannabis industry owners and operators. Sam claims to have had over 4,000 media mentions in 2020 alone, including top outlets such as the New York Times, CNN, Chicago Tribune, USA Today, Associated Press, New York Post, Denver Post, Fox News, NBC News, Politico, blah, blah, blah. In 2019, Sam simply said that they had set multiple records for media and press placements without giving any more specifics about what that meant. It appears that in 2020, Sam wants you to know that mainstream media is more on board with its mission. Sam Media mentions in CNN Health they have stepped up their anti-marijuana reporting with a steady drumbeat of scary headlines over the past year while there are more cannabis legalization efforts in Congress. One CNN Health report cited a study showing smoking cannabis may expose the consumer to the same type of toxic chemicals found in tobacco smoke. That's been proven wrong. Another said that according to a study by the American Medical Association, cannabis use may be linked to an increase in suicide. But read farther into the study, and there is a sort of disclaimer. Future research is needed to examine this increase in suicidality and to determine whether it's due to cannabis use or overlapping risk factors. How come it helps with PTSD? No, but I know, like, they're saying, like, the title is that it's going to increase suicide, but then in their own article, they write that there's no research that's really determined that. It's it's just headlines because some people don't read past that. Another read, cannabis can cause schizophrenia. Dig deeper into that study and you will find, however, it is unclear whether cannabis disproportionately increases the risk of specific types of psychotic experiences and whether genetic predisposition influences the relationship between cannabis use and the psychotic experiences. Yet another cited a study that found consuming cannabis can cause a heart attack. But beyond the headline, the study actually reported that its effects on other cardiovascular outcome, outcomes remain incompletely characterized. So it's like they make a statement and then they they remove their statement. Fake propaganda right? bullshit. Then one about cannabis-inducing vomiting happening in 19 chronic cannabis consumers in Australia in 2004. The whole Australia, 19 people. Okay. With a similar finding documented in eight cases, whoa, in the U.S. in 2010. But researchers in, researchers in those cases are not sure what it is about cannabis that's causing the vomiting, saying it's not entirely clear who is predisposed to getting it, said Dr. Sam Wong in the CNN report. Wong's research also found that the duration, frequency, route, or potency of cannabis products that led to a greater risk for developing this illness— called vomiting, has not yet been determined. Again, then they went on to report that vaping marijuana has doubled in the last seven years, linking marijuana to the evils of vaping, which is a real health crisis and another talking point point of the anti-cannabis crowd. So why are these reports appearing on such a worldwide media enterprise like CNN? that cherry-picks information from some science journals or lab researchers' white papers without giving the whole story? Could it be timed to affect public perception as legalization actions have picked up in this last year? Let's take a look. There was a flurry of work in Congress in 2021, especially in September and October, when CNN anti-marijuana reports appeared to have ramped up on legalizing or otherwise aiding the growth of the legal cannabis industry. On September 24th, the House of Representatives advanced the Secure and Fair Enforcement Act, the SAFE Act of 2021. 
which allows state-licensed marijuana-related businesses to engage freely in relationships with banks and other financial institutions, marking the fifth time the House has advanced the legislation in recent years. It was offered as an amendment to the $740 billion National Defense Authorization Act for the fiscal year of 2022, which passed the House and was sent to Senate on October 18th. A bill to legalize cannabis that stalled last year in the House was discussed and advanced on September 30th in the House Judiciary Committee, with a spirited discussion on the pros and cons that generally appeared to favor advancing the bill. That far-ranging bill, the Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement, or the MORE Act, of 2021, made history when the highest-ranking senator, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, released a discussion draft in July. The MORE Act repeals the long-standing federal prohibition of marijuana by removing it from the Controlled Substance Act, ending the existing state and federal conflict in cannabis policies, and providing state governments with greater authority to regulate marijuana-related activities, including retail sales. Of all the cannabis-related bills in Congress, this bill likely has anti-legalization proponents on high alert. Never before has public support from every corner of the political spectrum been so aligned to demand that Congress take action to end the shameful experiment with marijuana prohibition, said the normal political director, Justin Striegel. Sam's president and CEO, Kevin Sabat, appeared on CNN with Aaron Burnett the day that Schumer introduced the Moore Act discussion draft, shamelessly promoting his anti-marijuana book and saying there's a good reason why scientific community is pretty united in opposing this bill. On October 6th, Senator Elizabeth Warren and Cory Booker, two longtime proponents of marijuana legalization and sponsors or co-sponsors of multiple pro-cannabis bills, wrote a letter to new Attorney General Merrick Garland urging the Department of Justice to initiate the process to decriminalize cannabis. Garland is seen as the final gatekeeper in allowing legalization. He said in testimony during his Senate confirmation hearing before the Senate Judiciary Committee on February 22nd that it does not seem to be wise, a wise use of limited resources that we have been pursuing prosecutions in states that have legalized and are regulating the use of marijuana, either medically or otherwise, and it only confuses people within those states. So, what are industry watchers to make of coincidental big media attempts to squash the cannabis industry as the momentum for legalization speeds up? Is the recent big media negative publicity campaign a warning of more back and forth, more good versus evil discourse, more delays in legalization to come? Let's hope not. Pretty interesting. I mean, I guess, like, in the big picture of things, I probably wouldn't have put the two together. There's, like, like three or four organizations out there. Another one's yeah. called Parents Opposed to Pot. Uh. That's another one, too. Uh, they have a... Their website is fucking just complete garbage. And there's a few more I don't even care to mention. But, I mean... It's just interesting. I didn't... I guess I didn't realize the uh, the heavy-duty uh, political things that have been happening pro-cannabis in, like, late 2020. I didn't... Wasn't paying attention to that. And then now seeing that this all... This timeline all kind of coincides with one another of these right. people bashing cannabis and saying it's bad and trying to put this whole reefer madness perspective back into things while at the same time and they're doing it differently back back since the 30s 40s and 50s where they made movies of of reefer madness movie you haven't seen it watch it you'll laugh your ass off it's (laughs) terrible but fake propaganda back then to fake propaganda now because as you read what they were trying to throw out there what they were finding and then a disclaimer at the bottom saying well this hasn't been this and this hasn't been that yet this is what's going to happen because when when people don't like something and opinions or everyone's got one, you know, th- they're going to fight for it because they don't believe in it and they're not looking for the educational part of it, the benefits of it. They're only looking for the negativity because what was instilled in their minds growing up and all the all the fake propaganda and reefer madness in right. the early days and the war on drugs and all that stuff that we had to watch and and, and fucking want to kill ourselves watching <laughs> half of that garbage, you know. This is what we're going to keep on getting. It's mm-hmm. a war on cannabis. It always will be because there's people out there who don't like good things. 
and they don't understand it. They don't they didn't research this plant like a lot of people have and know the, the benefits and the true benefits of it and where and how long it's been used and what this plant can do. And it's been given to us by it's one of the greatest gifts on this planet. Whether you believe that or not, I do. So it's angels are in those wings. <laughs> and that's what those people need to understand from Sam, from Pop and all those other propaganda companies and lobbyists trying to fight against cannabis when we need it. So I don't it's just ugh, such garbage. I don't know. I'm just I'm going to get off my soapbox. Mm -hmm. Well, you had some great articles. Yeah, you too. Yeah. Great always stuff. bringing us news. The news, 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 news. Always news. News, news with Gary Ganoos. <laughs> <laughs> you got anything else, Mrs. Weedman? I don't. Nothing? Nope. No? Well, everybody out there, we love you all. Thanks for listening. We're heading high and higher every week. I'm going to post a picture soon of my uh, brother, uh, Bigfoot, sent me something for Christmas that I just got today, and it's pretty fucking fabulous. You'll see it soon once it's hung on the wall. So, uh, But hey, everybody out there, we love you all out there around the world. Thanks for listening. Uh, check us out on We Man Four Twenty Chronicles on Instagram, We Man Four Twenty Pod on Twitter, uh, We Man Four Twenty Chronicles on TikTok, and send us an email at We Man Four Twenty Chronicles at gmail dot com. Thanks again for listening around the world. As Paulie always says, smoke smart. Puff puff pass. Oh, I said the wrong thing, you Mr. Weedman. So you go, do it. You do it. You do puff, it. Puff puff and away. Whoa, we did it backwards. <laughs> Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> Love y'all. <laughs> Bye.